Hey, this is Scott Jennings, host of the Flyover Country podcast. On this special edition of Flyover Country, we interview Allison Ball, the Kentucky State Treasurer. She is on the ballot this November, running for state auditor. Kevin Grout and I talked to Allison about her job as treasurer, about the secret state vault where all the unclaimed property is. We found out that there's teeth in there. We talked to her about her campaign this year, what she's hearing from voters across the state of Kentucky, and what she plans to do when she replaces Mike Harmon as the next state auditor. All of this and more with Allison Ball, the state treasurer and candidate for state auditor on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. Allison Ball, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Okay, we have in the office the Kentucky State Treasurer and the aspiring auditor uh, for Kentucky. Tell me, how's the campaign going? Oh, great. Well, I love campaigning. I love getting to be with people. So uh, it's always a a fun experience for me. It's a joy. Uh, And I'm also just hearing good things about the work that I've done, which I appreciate. And then I'm telling people about what I want to do. And they seem to be excited about that. You're not the most famous state treasurer we ever had. The most famous (laughs) one is Honest Dick Tate, who literally stole all the gold coins out of the vault. Yes. Right? Yes. Very honest. And you haven't done that. So I would say... Uh, you're miles ahead of the most famous. Well, that's tra- good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that a crazy story? It like, is a it's a crazy story, and also his name is crazy to begin with. Yes. So, yeah. It's a it's a crazy. It's just a, a, a sort of a nutty twist of Kentucky history. But I would argue that uh, although he's got the nuttiest story, you have been the most consequential Thank state you. treasurer because not only have, in my opinion, you executed faithfully the duties of the office, you have also brought to light. All this stuff on ESG. And you've been like a national leader. You've been on Fox News. Tell us a little bit about how you arrived at the decision to do that and sort of where you stand on it today. Sure. Well, I remember when I first got elected state treasurer, I would go to these state treasurer meetings from across the country. So it'd be, you know, bipartisan people from all uh, areas and ideological positions. And uh, they would talk to us about ESG at these conferences. And I remember thinking, like, what is this? This is uh, probably a novelty and it's academic and it's something just to fill up time at a conference. So I really didn't take it very seriously. I was aware of it uh, from the very beginning, but I didn't take it very seriously for a long time. And then about two years ago, I began to see it just a very aggressive push. And, you know, once upon a time, investments were about making sure you got good returns. Uh, when I got in office, that's what I thought everybody believed. You know, you invest your money to make money, especially when you're investing people's pension dollars. Mm. And in the last two years, I began to see this heavy push to shift the process from investing for returns to investing for certain outcomes. And, of course, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it's really been to use people's pension dollars as leverage to push certain political agendas. Uh, you know, all of them have been progressive and left-wing, um, really, from, from these organizations. So about two years ago, I, I began to see this as being pushed as the only game in town. Like, you're being told this is altruistic, this is where everybody's going, this is what everyone should do, uh, this is the better way to invest. And I began to get concerned about that because, as you know, you know, I'm from Kentucky, we have a, a, a pretty pretty badly underfunded pension system. Now, it's on the path to solvency. A lot of work has been done on that, but uh, we're still talking about in the teens in some of those programs being you know, 18% funded, uh, even the, the best ones are 58% funded. So uh, I, I really felt like 
these are not the kinds of pension funds you play around with to begin with. And also, I just think it's wrong to invest other people's dollars for political agendas that they may or may not believe with. Yeah, that, that's what's so shocking about it is you, you, you're taking other people's money and investing it in your own ideology, forgetting about that they're just depending on you to, to make money for them. I mean, that's why they have a pension in the first place. It's not it's not to change the world. It's to, it's to secure their retirement. I mean, it's really sort of stunning the, the hubris uh, that went into some of the ESG decisions uh, that were made. So I think Many people in Kentucky are grateful for your work on this, Thank bringing you. it to life. I mean, that's the thing about these state offices is, you know, there's there's the, the duties as prescribed, but then there's what you make of it. And yes. I think that's the thing I when I think about you, it's what you make of it. And you've just really made something out of it. And, uh, and so, uh, in my opinion, that gives you a huge leg up for state auditor because uh, as, you're, as you're following in the footsteps of Mike Harmon, who's, I think, had a very successful term, what I think people can depend on you for is to make the most of it just the way he has. And I think when the Democrats controlled all these offices, you know, they were stepping stones. They were musical chairs. They were just, you know, whatever. And and I don't think they did anything to help anybody except for themselves. And and you just have taken a different approach. And, and uh, I think conservatives are grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I appreciate that. So um, you have – am I right about this? You've led the ticket. Oh, yeah. I have. In 15 and 19. Yes. you gotten the most votes. I have. How did you do that? Why? <laughs> like, why do you think it is everybody loves you so much? Because you've been the literal most popular vote getter in two straight state elections. You know, it's kind of nice when it happens. It's not something I was trying to set out for. It wasn't the goal or anything like that. So it's just one of those things that really has just naturally developed. Um, and, you know, I, I've occasionally played around with, you know, why has it turned out that way? And I don't know the answer for sure, but I think there are a few ideas. Uh, I actually think that that sometimes it's nice to be a woman running for office. You know, you have sometimes an appeal that that's not always there. So I do think I have some crossover appeal. I do think the, the offices I've run for are fiscal responsibility offices. So, uh, you know, those are things that, that I love to talk about. I think those are wonderful things for a conservative to talk about, being good with your money, um, you know, protecting taxpayer dollars. And I actually think that has a broad appeal. You know, you can get people who may not agree with me on some uh, other issues, but they're going to be like, you know what, you're good with money. And so I trust you to handle the treasurer's office. I trust you to handle the auditor's office. Uh, you know, Scott, as you know, I'm a person of faith and, and I pray through every decision and my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. So I actually feel like God has blessed my efforts too. I feel like, um, you know, that, that there's a part of that as well. So you uh, are running for state auditor, uh, still in the fiscal world, uh, but different job duties. Yes. Have you thought through when you become auditor, and I firmly believe you will be the next auditor, what, what are you going to do? I mean, obviously Harmon is I – think, I think Mike Harmon did a terrific job. And, uh, but, but there's so much that's come up even just during the course of this campaign this year. You've got the debacle at JCPS in Louisville. You've got the tornado slush fund. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that's come to light. Have you started to think through – sort of areas of focus for the auditor's office in your term? Sure. Well, of course, you always want to be doing the job itself well. I mean, that's one of the things that is uh, significant about this role is it is that accountability watchdog of taxpayer dollars role in a deeper way than the treasurer's office is. So you always have to have that core function where you're keeping an eye on all levels all the time uh, that always has to be done well. Now with that, there are certain things that just happen. You know, you keep your eye on certain issues and, and you pay attention to certain things. So as you've mentioned, you mentioned two of the ones that I've talked about the whole time. 
Uh, I was actually the, the first person to identify a problem with the Western Kentucky Relief Fund mm. uh, back in February of 2022. So shortly after those those funds were organized, because um, you know I am the treasurer, I can see the money coming in and the money going out, I just began to have concerns about that. I didn't really have oversight, and I actually asked for an audit. I asked the Public Protection Cabinet uh, to do an audit of those funds, and I got a no thank you back from them. Uh, and, and really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> in writing. We've got it in writing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and maybe not exactly those words, but that's the gist of it. Um, so, so that's something that I've been concerned about the whole time. And of course, I'm from eastern Kentucky, and I mm. watched the East Kentucky Relief Fund being set up in a similar way with actually fewer controls in it. So I began to ask the General Assembly, hey, can you put some guardrails in place in this? Because I just didn't trust the, the governor to put guardrails in. And, and it's an unusual type of account. It doesn't uh, use taxpayer dollars the way a normal account would. It doesn't have the normal uh, controls in place. So, so I was asking for an audit from the very beginning. Of course, as you remember, last December, the Public Protection Cabinet asked us, will you uh, give us some checks, uh, 10,000 checks, so it was quite a bit of checks, right. $10 million, will you deliver those to us? And then we will then send them out to people that were impacted by the tornadoes in Western Kentucky. And then immediately we began to get phone calls from people saying, hey, I don't even live in Western Kentucky yeah. and yeah. I've gotten this check. I don't know why. And it just confirmed to me the importance of making sure you have oversight and you have audits. So uh, so that's something that, that, you know, there's a lot of money still left in those accounts and I'll be involved in. There's also the Team Kentucky account, which has had no real oversight this whole time as well. And I think that seeing what happened with the West Kentucky funds and the East Kentucky funds, uh, you know, that needs to get a good look at too. You just touched on on one thing that I think makes your candidacy and your your experience so important is your relationships with the General Assembly. You, you went and asked and you came with the legitimacy of I know what I'm doing here. You asked for something and, and they worked with you to do it. Um, it I imagine you're going to do that again and keep going forward with that. Well, absolutely. And I think that's actually one of the strengths that I bring to the table in this is that I do have great relationships with the General Assembly. And, uh, you know, you're an executive branch official. Your job is to enforce the law. Uh, and the legislative branch is the one that makes the law. So you actually do have to have a good relationship with the two branches if you want to be effective. Let me ask you about that topic, because it strikes me that one of the big failures of the Bashir regime has been the insular nature mm-hmm. of it. I don't think he treats you guys in the constitutional court uh, like you exist. I mean, and I don't think he treats the General Assembly like they exist. And he tried, obviously, to operate the state under executive order and emergency order for so long. Um, but you you have a different attitude about that. And I think Cameron and the rest of the Republicans generally have a different attitude. Like, look, we're all elected here. Legislators are elected. Executive branch is elected. It, it's sort of our duty to have some cooperation and cohesion. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you've been in the this office now for eight years. How much better could it be if we actually had a governor that would treat the rest of the constitutional officers and legislators like they existed and like like they were there and elected too? Well, of course, it would be much better. You know, government would be much more efficient, much more effective. And that's actually one of the things that I hear from people when I'm out campaigning out in the public. Um, I do hear people that say that they're really frustrated with this this feeling that you've got two sides and they can never work with each other. Mm. Um, and, and that, you know, to some extent, that is true. You have different ideological differences and you're not going to agree on that. But if you want to be a good working government representing the people, you have to be able to communicate with each other. And there are areas where you have to agree because you have to get an outcome. So you need to do that. And, and Scott, you're exactly right. Um, you know, it's been very frustrating to me from, from the get-go that we've had uh, you know, almost non-existent 
communication at all with the governor's office. It's been very, very difficult. Uh, I remember an instance when I just had little Marigold. So this was two years ago. I just had the baby about a week before. And uh, the governor issued, without discussing anything with anyone, issued a, uh, a mask order for state employees. At that point in time, we had our employees just so far apart from each other. There's mm-hmm. no way they're interacting with each other. And, and I said, you know, you know, we don't need to do this in our office. And he didn't really have the authority to tell our office to do that. Well, I immediately got a notice saying in the governor's office, which is in charge of the mail, that they were not going to deliver our mail to us anymore because it was too dangerous to go inside of our building. Too dangerous? I remember this. To yes. deliver the mail? <laughs> yes. It was so too that, dangerous so to that, give Allison her letters. Yes. Okay. So, we, so we worked out an agreement that, well, not even agreement, like this is what they said that they were willing to do, that they would drop it off at our doorstep, you know, and someone could go and Knock get Knock on it and run away as quick as they could? <laughs> yes, because, you know, you can go to Walmart, no problem. You know, right. you can go to wherever but the treasurer's office is a hotbed of you know all kinds of problems so i I think i think that's the way it's just it's one-sided i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna do you guys gotta agree with it um and and really if you want to have an effective efficient government it's okay to disagree it is okay to disagree but you have to be able to communicate with each other and work out solutions the best you can for the people who put you there that voice you're hearing is allison ball the current kentucky state treasurer and the republican nominee for state auditor in the november election i'm scott jennings along with kevin grout you're on the flyover country podcast. And um, Allison, you are crisscrossing the state. I'm assuming you're hearing things from people. Is any of it related to sports betting? One thing I've been wondering about is we have all this new sports betting, and there's obviously not a lot of money flowing into the state from that or will be. Do you think the auditor is going to end up in the middle of making sure this money gets... Because a lot of promises have been made about this has to go to you know, problem gambling or has to go with the pensions. Are, are you, you find, uh, feel like you're going to be in the middle of that? Do people bring it up to you? You know, it hasn't come up very much, but it has come up a little bit. I've had people who are just very sophisticated, really pay attention, and they'll ask me about that. And my answer to them has been, so far, it is very early stages on this. You know, mm-hmm. this is very, it's not even fully implemented yet. I mean, this is this is the very beginning of this process. But you are correct. There are certain uh, legal requirements to where that money is supposed to go. And, you know, we talked about the pensions earlier. Uh, some of that money is supposed to go to help boost up our uh, our pension system. So I, I do think this is the kind of thing where you need to be early on just listening and watching and figuring out, is this happening the way that it's supposed to? Because it is important to get this right in the beginning. You know, the laws were passed with certain expectations, and you have to make sure those are those are fulfilled. So I do think this is the kind of thing where, you know, as an auditor, you do need to be paying attention, watching it, making sure that it gets off to a good footing, it gets off to a correct footing from the beginning, so that way you prevent any kind of problems in the future. All right. Um, because you've campaigned statewide so many times, I want to talk to you about what it's like to campaign. But before we do, I want to play one of the most famous, I think, and best things that ever happened at Fancy Farm, courtesy Allison Ball. Well, again, I'm Allison Ball, and I'm running for Kentucky State Treasurer. And if some of you might have already noticed, I'm not the only Allison on the ballot this year. So I want to take this moment to clarify that I am the good Allison on the ballot. The only Allison you should be voting for. And, and to help you remember this in the future, in the next few months, I'm going to give you a list so you can tell the difference between the two of us. First thing to remember is that I spell my name with two L's while the other Allison spells it with one. Two, my father has never given me a sweet deal on a bus. Three... I don't use my full name everywhere I go. Four, I've never been supported by Barack Obama, Harry Reid, or Hollywood liberals. 
As a person from Eastern Kentucky, I actually am a friend of Cole. And the other Allison has been a bit confused about who she voted for for president last time around. So I'm happy to tell you that I voted against Barack Obama, just like, just like almost everybody else in Kentucky. And the last way that you can tell the difference between the two of us is I'm running for Kentucky State Treasurer, where the other Allison is running for something else. So that was Fancy Farm a few years ago when you uh, dubbed yourself the good Allison, which I <laughs> is how I still think of you. Thank right. you. <laughs> because the person you were posting up against is most definitely the bad Allison. Oh, yeah. And oh, we, yeah. Won't, we won't, we won't uh, belabor that. But obviously you've had some success down at Fancy Farm, but there's a lot of other events. I was curious about your campaigning experience. What's kind of your favorite event uh, stuff out there, like the places that you really look forward to going. Sure. Well, you know, Fancy Farm is a class uh, of its own. You know, that that is a unique experience. It's the Super Bowl of Kentucky politics. Uh, and also, hat tip to my husband for he was the one who came up with the idea of like, you know, you're like the good Allison. <laughs> that's, like, that's, right. that's it. That's it. So, so he can so remember. Him, right? Asa, yes, he gets he gets a lot of credit for for saying that. And it was just sort of a joke when he said it. So like, we ran with it. Um, so you know, Fancy Farm is is a great experience. There's so many great experiences. I actually think it's kind of fun to do. I I usually just do the KET debate because that's the only one for for the offices I run for that gets a lot of notice. And, uh, you know, that, that's the, the moment where you get to have an exchange of ideas and policy discussions. So I, I love policy discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't often get into that kind of a um, topic when I'm out on the campaign trail because it's usually, you know, it's red meat. It's talking to people. Um, I, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, so I love it when I get a chance to be in my home region of Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see how, uh, there, there's just a lot more Republican growth in certain areas of Eastern Kentucky that have been historically Democrat. Uh, so, you know, my, my favorite place to be just because it's home is Eastern Kentucky. Something that's interesting about you is that, is it, you, you were the youngest statewide elected official in the country. Is that the youngest woman. Youngest, youngest woman. woman. Yes. Well, what is interesting to me about that is that during your eight years as treasurer, you built a family mm-hmm. yeah. and, and grew your family. What, what has that been like? Tell us about your family and, and sort of tell us what it's been like to balance building a family and also uh, having this high public office and being responsible to the voters. Sure. Well, it's something that I actually hope encourages other women who look to run for office at some point, because there has been sort of a thought that, you know, it's too hard to balance a family and uh, you can't do this. And sometimes that is the case. You know, you look at your own family and your own personal relationships and how is this going to work. But it has worked for Asa and me. So, yeah, so I've had an interesting parallel uh, life that's gone on while I've been in office and developing my career and the work that I've been interested in. Uh, yeah, I got I started dating my husband right after I filed to run for treasurer. Mm. So so <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily recommend that as a way to get to know somebody. We've been friends for a while before that point. And then we got engaged the month after I got sworn into office office and we got married um, on October the 1st of the first year in office and of course I was the first constitutional officer to give birth while serving in office when I had Levi the first one to do it twice when I had Marigold and uh, you know it can be done and I really felt like as Ace and I were talking about I really felt like you know God had called and given me some giftings and uh, areas of, of skill and interest to serve in public office, and I also felt like I was being led to you know, get married and to have a family, and and I, you know, prayerfully because that's important to me. I, I just was sort of asking, can you do these things? And I felt like God was leading me. If you can, you, I'm calling you to do these things. So I'm calling you to do them well, so you can do it well. Uh, it takes a, a lot of intentionality, a lot of commitment, and you know, you, you're remembering that your family uh, responsibilities are are priority. They really are priority, but you can do your work and you can do it well and you can do it correctly and uh, and 
I think be a good mom and a good wife. I want to talk about uh, your predecessor, Auditor Mike Harmon, who we, we've we've talked about well, a little bit on the pod about all the great things that he's done. But there's one thing he's really known for, and that's the jokes. Uh, famous, <laughs> infamous, I'll let you decide. But I think that people really want to know, is this a practice you're going to continue in the auditor's office? Or are you going to bring in your own shtick to it? Um on the jokes, auditor jokes. <laughs> will, will we see those in 2024? I don't think I can pull off dad jokes. You know, like Mike <laughs> Harmon has got that down. That is who he is. Um, you know, it, it's been fun to, to see him kind of develop that. And it works so well at Fancy Farm. Like yep. he is made for Fancy Farm. Uh, no, you got to be who you are. <laughs> you got to be who you are. I, I don't think I bring that to the table. I, uh, I want to ask you about the unclaimed property because I think. Do you agree that that is the area of your current office that most Kentuckians might be interacting with you on, other than, of course, writing their tax checks or whatever <laughs> that you have to put state treasure on? So the unclaimed property, you've had a lot of success in this area getting, I mean, I think I got a letter the other day. It's like somebody has $100 or something that's maybe tracked back to me like from literally like years ago. And it reminded me that you're out here every day trying to like give people their stuff back. How, how do you... How does that work? And and have you I assume you would argue that you've just modernized this to the point where it's much more efficient now? It is more efficient. I've also just been very aggressive and intentional about doing it. So, you know, sometimes you just gotta be committed to making something happen, and that's what I've done. I've returned $172 million while I've been in office. That is a record. I've also been very intentional about locating unclaimed property to begin with. And both those things go hand in hand. Uh, we actually have more unclaimed property that we've identified and brought in to be returned to people than any other treasurer has too. And some of that has been streamlining the law, making it easier for businesses to turn o- over these uh, funds. So so it's both has they've gone together. I've, I've, I think, done a good job identifying it, bringing it in, and then getting it out to the people. Uh, and, you know, it's something I've actually figured out can be very helpful in certain circumstances. During the Western Kentucky tornadoes, the Eastern Kentucky floods, we sent out public notice, you know, if you're from one of these effective counties, you need cash right away. We will, if you make a claim for your unclaimed property, we will move you to the top of the list and we'll get it out fast. We actually had to do some work, too, to figure out when a lot of post offices were closed, mm. uh, especially mm. during the tornadoes. They were just, you know, they, they weren't there anymore. We had to figure out, and we worked with uh, Louisiana, the Louisiana Treasurer, to figure out what they have done when they've had natural disasters. How do you get these checks back to people in those instances? So, you know, it's a wonderful thing for a conservative to do. It's protecting property rights. It's getting people's money back to them, their property back to them. I've, it's been a privilege to do it. Um, but it also has some uses, I think, in those times of emergency. Is it just money or is it also stuff? It's also stuff. Like what? Give, like, give, like, What's give the me, best give me, thing give you've returned? Example. Like here, your 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 sword. We have your sword here at the office. Yeah, we Come probably do. It. We probably do. So we have we have a giant vault and it has a lot of things in it, and you can imagine what kind of. Oh, so you do put. have a vault. We ah. have a vault. We do. We have a vault. And so here we, I was thinking we, we did it? away with the vault. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know. There's an old vault at the Capitol that's still there, but there's also a vault in our office no now. No kidding. Yeah, if you want to come by, I'll show you the vault. There's stuff in the vault. There's a lot of stuff in that vault. Like, it give is me a like, full vault. Like so, what? Paintings? Uh, yes. I mean, whatever people have put in into lockboxes, because that's okay. how we get them. Mm-hmm. So there are things that people have put in lockboxes, and then you know we keep it you know, identified to who is the owner of it, and we get it back to you. So it's it's baseball cards. It's sometimes you know letters of sentimental value. Wow. It's um, you know it. it it can be a wide variety of things. A, a lot of it is not super valuable. You know, it's valuable to the person who, who doesn't have it anymore, but some of it has some value to it. So it's a wide variety of things. I'll tell you, one of the most interesting things that I've learned as treasurer is that people put teeth in lockboxes. This is a common thing for people to do. Is they put, I don't know if it's baby teeth or what it is, but we, we have bags of teeth. In the vault. <laughs> I, sort of, I sort of feel like with, with the way the market is, 
investing those teeth under pillows and collecting from the tooth fairy might be your best it's option. It's a pretty good return. <laughs> Did Biden inflation hit the tooth fairy too? Is she giving out more money now? She has in the Jennings household. Yeah. Uh, we're, it's, it's a lot more expensive than it than it used to be. That's amazing. It's just like a real window into people's lives. It yeah. is a window into people's lives. Yeah, so we'll have, in history. We'll you have know? discharge letters from like World War II, honorable discharge letters, like all, all kinds of just meaningful things. I'll tell you, this did not happen in my tenure. This happened before I was there, but it's a story that I've heard about, about a family that came to get the contents of a lockbox. The dad had passed away, so this was really emotional for them because everything reminded them of them dad. And they found a will that left everything to a mistress that none of them had heard of before. Oh, boy. So, uh. so, sometimes <laughs> so they guess, left that there yeah. and walked away, right? <laughs> I heard the end of the story that they found out that there was a later dated will that, that took care of that problem. But, you know, there's all kinds of stuff in the vault. <laughs> you know, when people talk to me about you, you're a lawyer. Yes. You have a law degree from the University of Kentucky. Yes, I do. You're a conservative lawyer. Yes. Federalist Society. Yes. Eastern Kentucky. Obviously, you're running for state auditor now. But, boy, a lot of people out there think Allison Ball could do anything she wants to do for a very long time. And you've been a really good conservative public servant. What? So how, how do you think about your career in public office? I don't want you to look too far ahead. But, look, you're going to win this race. Thank you. But a lot of people think – could be governor, you could be congressman, you could be senator someday. Like, do you do you sort of just do you ever think about those things? Or you try to like put that out of your mind. Well, thank you. You know, I'm running a race right now. <laughs> yeah, I know, but so, you're going to win. I I, I I can't even think of your opponent's name, and I don't think anybody Good. else can. <laughs> so, I'll tell you. Uh, so I, but I, you know, you just it strikes me that you just got this amazing bright future, but it's all underpinned by your your credentials, your experience, the job you've done. I mean, I, you just there's no. I don't. There's no criticism. There's no of you. It's, there. it's amazing in a world where politicians are just constantly sort of, you know, picked at. You get the most votes, and I can't find anybody who's like, you know, that dang treasurer did X, Y. <laughs> like, no one ever says that. It's pretty amazing. Thank you, thank you. That that's very kind of you to say that. I appreciate that. You know, I, every step of the way, like I said, I'm a person who prays through everything. So I really just try to seek God's direction. What What am I supposed to do next? What uh, what comes in the future. So everything is one step at a time. And th- those are family decisions too. Like, you know, my husband and I talk about what's best for our five and two year old. Um, but yeah, I, I love public service. It has been a tremendous honor to serve. And I would love to continue to be able to make a difference for my state uh, yeah. in the future. All right. We want to find out a little about who you are. What is your favorite movie? Like the all time, like if it's on, you're going to sit down and watch it no matter what. What a great question. Um, you know, I, I love movies. I, yeah. I really do. So, like, we could we could probably ask this question every day for several days, and I might have a different answer every day because I, I really do. <laughs> I think, oh, wait, what about this one? Um, but I, I do love old movies, and I like Alfred Hitchcock a lot. One Whoa, of my, wow. One of my favorite movies is one of his early films. It's one of his British films, so it's not as widely watched, uh, but it's called The Lady Vanishes. And it is a fun film. I'll tell you, I'll warn you, the footage, because it's it's in England in the 1930s, it's a little grainy, and you just kind of got to go with it and get used to listening to the sound because you've got to really pay attention. But it is a great film. Historic film buff. I love it. Right Amazing here. answer. All right. Book recommendations. Something you're reading or you've, you've read recently that you would recommend to people in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Um, boy, what a great question. I love to read. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a consistent reader, and it really just helps me reset for the day if I read before I go to bed at night. Um, and I wish I had prepared a little bit more for this question. I'll tell you what I'm reading, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. I'm reading uh, 
Charles Stanley, the Reverend Charles Stanley's book on the spirit-filled life, and it's really just about seeking God's direction every day, every moment. What does he have for you? Um, and he was a great influence on my dad. My dad, when he uh, graduated from seminary, he actually did some work with Charles Stanley in Atlanta, uh, and Charles Stanley just passed away earlier this year. So uh, kind of kind of America's pastor in a lot of ways, an incredible man, a godly man. So uh, that is a book that, that I'm reading right now. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> reading it this evening. And... Let me ask you this. If you could pick a U.S. president, alive or dead, one, Just one. to have dinner with one time, which one would it be? So it would be Ronald Reagan. That's an easy answer. Um, I got to meet Ronald Reagan when I was a kid. And it was an impactful moment in my life. I just started my pencil business. You know, when I was mm. nine, I started a pencil business. And so I was a young <laughs> entrepreneur. And uh, I, I got to, to meet him. at a, My dad was speaking at an event, and, and Ronald Reagan was speaking at an event. So I got to talk with him a little bit. And uh, I remember my dad being really impressed by it. I thought, okay, if, this, if my dad is impressed by this person, there's something special here. But I remember Ronald Reagan talking about uh, free enterprise in terms that I could understand, and it was things that I was learning with my pencil business. I thought, this is this is a great person. So I've always been a huge, huge Ronald Reagan did, fan. Did you sell him a pencil? You know, I did not sell ah. him a pencil. I think I was a little bit, like, just trying to yeah. – I was in awe of the moment. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last question from the lightning round. Is there a Bible passage that you sort of return to? I know how much your faith sort of informs your life and your service. Is there a passage that you return to often that you – sort of think about when things get a little uh, hairy in, sure. the, there, in the government? There are many, and it often kind of depends on what God is kind of speaking to me about right now. And I'll tell you, I, I begin and end my day usually with Scripture. So uh, so I really just have some foundational things. Uh, you know, there's a verse about, um, you know, not giving up, but in due season you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. And we actually have that on our wall, and that's mm. one that, that I really feel like God has reminded me many times is that, you know, if he's, if he's leading you to do something— you know, stick with it, stay with it, and uh, if that's His will, that's what He's leading you to do. And do season, you'll reap a harvest. But there, there, there's so many, uh, and it really just depends on whatever God is kind of showing me right now. Allison Ball, you've been a great guest. Tell the people how to find you. You're currently the state treasurer, but if they want to go on the internet and find your campaign for auditor, how do they find it? And I assume they can give you money and sign up to do things. They yes? can do all kinds of things. Ball for Kentucky.com. Kentucky is spelled out, and of course, ball is like a baseball. B a l l. A basketball. A basketball, yes. A football. Yeah. Yes. M- probably. Many, many, yes. <laughs> he, he's he's still heard about the end of baseball season. I am. <laughs> I am. I am. Ball for Kentucky. Yes. Go on. Give Allison Ball a contribution. Sign up to help her campaign. And if you see her out there, thank her for doing a terrific job. Allison, thanks for coming in today. Thank you very much. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast.